The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. We've got a new cook in the Biden administration's climate policy kitchen. His name is Ali Zaidi, and we'll be talking about him and about whether this kitchen has a few too many cooks. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So in my opinion, one of the more tired cliches in government these days is the czar. The way it usually goes is there's an issue with a lot of urgency behind it, and the president appoints one person to oversee all actions on that issue. Think the drugs are or the COVIDs are. Of course, those with even a passing familiarity with Russian history will know that calling someone a czar really isn't or really shouldn't be a compliment. But with all that being said, we have a new climate czar in this country. His name is Ali Zaidi, and his official title as of about a month ago is White House National Climate Advisor. If you haven't heard of Zaidi, you probably have heard of his predecessor in this role, former EPA Administrator Gina McCarthy. She announced she'd be stepping down shortly after the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act and its billions in funding for climate projects, and no, that timing was not a coincidence. To learn more about why McCarthy stepped down, why Zadie is taking her place, and what exactly it is he'll be doing, I rang up Bloomberg Law reporter and Parts Per Billion regular Stephen Lee. He said Zadie was chosen as a post-legislation leader, not a pre-legislation leader, and we'll get into what that means in a bit. But first, I asked Stephen to tell me who Zadie actually is. Okay, so Ali Zadie is, he's one of these DC people that you sometimes meet who's just has kind of a glittering resume. He's um, He went to Harvard and Georgetown. He has a law degree. He, at a pretty young age, went to work in the Obama administration. He was a um, pretty high-ranking aide to Stephen Chu at Energy. And he was also the energy guy at OMB under uh, President Obama. He is the former chairman of climate policy in New York State, so he was leading that state's efforts on clean energy. He's also a former adjunct professor at Stanford, and he's worked at a couple of white shoe law firms. And he's been at part of the White House's climate team since Biden got started. So he's done a lot, especially for a young guy. So he's a real insider, a real government insider. And I think you drew a nice contrast um, in your story between him and his predecessor, Gina McCarthy, who was the head of the EPA, of course, and she, you know, was very used to being out in the public, going, you know, talking to the media, um, kind of mixing it up. It sounds like he's more of someone who is more comfortable behind the scenes. Is that fair to a uh, fair characterization? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Gina McCarthy, as we all know, I mean, she had this huge personality and she was very charismatic. And, you know, in the climate world, she's a superstar. Uh, Everyone knows Gina McCarthy. And what we've heard is that that was really important during the kind of first two years of Biden. You needed to have someone who could be a really effective salesperson, you know, selling the Biden climate agenda and rallying support and getting people excited and getting voters excited. And getting uh, folks on Capitol Hill excited. 
just building support for the uh, for the sort of ideas that that um, were coming out of the White House, and and now that the uh, infrastructure bill and the climate bill have passed, we're now moving into the implementa- implementation stage. And so, what you want is someone who is a real technocrat, uh, someone who has very deep experience with the technology and with the policy and with the economics. Not that Gina McCarthy isn't also skilled in those areas, but I think people seem to feel as though Ali Zaidi is a guy whose skills just match up really very well with the the, the task at hand. Uh, I should also say that you know there is a part of being the White House climate czar that I think is a it, it's a political job. It's a sort of a sales job, and and Zaidi has been out there. I mean, he makes a lot of appearances, and he's you know got his his own uh, powers of persuasion. Yeah, I don't I don't want to make him seem like a you know a shrinking violet. Like he's you know he's a pretty uh, sort of dynamic, powerful guy in his own right. Yeah, I think he's I think he's been pretty effective at making the sales pitch, and I think the White House is um, they seem to be pretty satisfied with the job that he's doing there. Um, well, let's talk about not the job that he has done, but the job that he will be doing now as the new climate czar. Uh, as you mentioned, he's going to be responsible for implementing a lot of the climate provisions that were in the IRA. Um, what are some of the traps that he could fall into, and what are the stakes here for him? I think there's really two challenges here. One is just the sheer size of both the climate bill and the infrastructure bill. I mean, the climate bill has $369 billion. There's billions more in the infrastructure bill. So we're talking about roads and bridges and renewable power all across the country. It's just hard to keep track of all that money. It's hard to make sure that it's all spent you know, the way it's supposed to be spent and, and, and to make sure that every project goes smoothly. We know that there are uh, Republican lawmakers who are going to be watching very closely, you know, looking for the next Solyndra that they can make uh, political hay out of. Right. And let's let's remind our listeners what that was. That was a uh, solar energy company that went belly up and was very, very controversial in the Obama administration. That's exactly right. And Democrats have made the argument that you know, when you are funding all these different projects, some of them, they don't, you know, pan out in the way that you expect or that they expect. And that's just part of the the bargain, right? Like not everything is going to be a home run. So, so that is a challenge. So frankly, I mean, it's impossible, I would think that there's not going to be some hiccups here and there when there's this kind of money going out the door. Well, 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 it seems, it seems like he has, he has to balance two priorities that are basically incompatible with each other. He has to get the money out quickly, but he also has to make sure that it's spent correctly. And I don't think you can totally accomplish both of those things 100%. The getting it out quickly is the second challenge that I think he faces. You know, we, we this is where we run into issues of permitting, investment, supply chains. You know, can you get all the materials and the workers you know, in the right place at the right time, it has to be, you know, made in America. And um, and then we run into this political challenge, too, because he's got to get all these states to play ball. And it's not going to be easy in, in, in some parts of the country that fundamentally oppose the Biden agenda. Yeah, that's a great point.
The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's talk about another potential obstacle for Zaidi, um, which is that there are a lot of other officials in the Biden administration who have a piece of this. Uh, and I made some notes here. So we have John Kerry, uh, a pretty big name, who is the special envoy for climate. You also have John Podesta, who was hired around the same time as Zaidi, who is a senior clean energy advisor. He's, of course, been a very, very large figure within the Democratic Party for a long time. Oh, and let's not forget Michael Regan and Jennifer Granholm, uh, cabinet secretaries at the EPA and DOE, respectively. You know, how much authority does Zadie really have, given that these other big names are also, you know, have their have their fingers in the pot, so to speak? Well, here's what we know. So John Kerry is the international guy. Okay, so pretty clear division of labor there. He's the guy that okay. goes to these UN events and that kind of thing. Um, that makes sense. Regan and Granholm, you mentioned, uh, primarily regulators uh, and rule writers. Zadie, uh, I, we imagine, is going to be playing a sort of a coordinating role. So bringing together all of the agencies, convening interagency working groups, um, and, and, and he also has a direct line to the president. So he's going to be influential in shaping top-down policy on a whole bunch of things like land conservation and public health and environmental justice, and of course, economic growth and green jobs. So when you hear Biden talking about that kind of stuff, there's a pretty good chance it'll either have come from or been vetted by Ali Zaidi. So I, I see him as more of a sort of top-down type of uh, person. I see. Maybe it's just that what was tripping me up is the, the title, you know, Climate Czar, which is, of course, not his official title. That's just an informal, you know, nickname. Uh, when I think of a czar, I, you know, I think of someone with kind of absolute authority, and it sounds like, you know, climate coordinator, climate uh, wrangler, I guess, would be maybe a more appropriate title than climate czar. You know, this is where Republican lawmakers uh, start to push back because they don't like the idea of czars either, and they want to know who's in charge, who's calling the shots, who's responsible for what. I mean, you've got all these different people, um, you know, how, how many different decision makers do we need to have? I mean, obviously, it's a huge job that affects the entire economy. But I, there is definitely this sense among Republicans that there's a lot of unelected bureaucrats running around making all kinds of important decisions that affect people's lives in a very tangible way. And who's doing what? Yeah, in fact, I'm glad you brought that up because you actually quoted Senator Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, you know, who's a, a big critic of the, the Biden administration's environmental policy. And she said that she said exactly what you just said, but added on, she thinks this is on purpose. She thinks that the Biden administration is bringing on all of these sort of bureaucrats as a way to obfuscate what it's actually doing. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Do you think that that is a valid criticism that Senator Capito is, is leveling? It's a criticism that she's been making for a long time. So 
I've not heard any criticism really of Ali Zaidi as a person. Uh, you know, he's clearly a pretty legit guy. I think everyone sees that. And he's also so new in the job and not a whole lot is known about him. But as you say, there is definitely skepticism about, as Republicans like to say, unelected bureaucrats. And this question of, you know, should these decisions be more transparent and should they, you know, go through Congress? Obviously, it depends on the issue that we're talking about, but they have made this argument repeatedly as a way of kind of undermining uh, all these actions that uh, Biden has been undertaking. Yeah. And then finally, you know, speaking of the sort of the response from the right side of the aisle, um, you also quoted somebody in your story who is a conservative, Alex Flint, who was pretty happy about this, who who was glad that, uh, you know, Zadie was, was promoted to this uh, position. Can you talk about him and, and the, the viewpoint that he represents? You know, I think there is a view among kind of Democrats and centrists and certainly at, at the White House that we do need to build stuff quickly. If we're going to reach these climate goals that the president has set out, there is definitely a need to go faster and to build stuff faster. And that's why you hear the president saying that we need to reform the permitting process. I mean, it's interesting. It will be interesting to see how the administration, you know, handles this issue because there are uh, there are lots of places where the desire to get stuff built quickly and the desire to protect the environment they don't really match up perfectly, and so uh, it just seems like that's, that's a really good point. That's a tough one for the White House. Yeah, and that's where someone like Flint comes in. He's. Uh leads a group that's pushing for a carbon tax or for some sort of market-based solution to climate change. And it sounds like he's happy um, that Zadie is in there because he thinks that, you know, this would be someone who might be able to, if not get it that done, then get the government a little bit closer to that, right? Do I have that right? Yeah. And and that's also, that was a big part of the uh, climate bill. A lot of that stuff is tax incentives. So let's see if we can, you know, create incentives for the uh, private industry to do this stuff. And if we can get to that place, then maybe the there doesn't need to be as much federal intervention or federal investment. And so, yeah, that's 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 definitely something that I think the White House is hoping takes hold and and uh, and takes off. All right, strange bedfellows, as they say. Uh, that was Stephen Lee, uh, reporter with Bloomberg Law, speaking about Ali Zaidi. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thanks, David. And that'll do it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use the handle at Environment. Just that, at Environment. I'm at David B. Schultz if you want to talk to me about anything. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, David Schultz. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle and is edited by Zach Sherwood and Chuck McCutcheon. Our executive producer is Josh Block. Thanks, everyone, for listening. An individual's race should not be used to help him or harm him in his life's endeavors. A pair of lawsuits has made its way to the Supreme Court, and the decision could dramatically change just who gets into which college. Bloom is effectively using the Asian community as pawns. Every lawsuit needs a villain. To mask an anti-Black and anti-Latino agenda. Does this demoralize me? No, it doesn't demoralize me. This season on Uncommon Law, 
we'll explore the arguments and the people driving this latest battle over affirmative action. Can the Constitution be used to remedy society's ills? I'm the only person in class who has to raise my hand and say, okay, well, actually, here's how this affects people that look like me. Does the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause prohibit all discrimination based on race? You let somebody in because of their race, you're keeping somebody else out because of their race. There might have been two or three Latinos, including me. And so somehow that's too much, somehow that goes too far. It's hard not to take that very personally. Coming October 25th, part one of a three-part series on affirmative action. What's being decided is whether black and brown people are going to be excluded in significant numbers. Only on Uncommon Law from Bloomberg Industry Group. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.